Amen. <clears throat> Will you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning? God, we come before your presence with thanksgiving, and we ask that your spirit would lead us and guide us. Speak to us through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, today is called Palm Sunday. Uh, every year have this tension uh, in terms of what scriptures uh, need to be read on this Sunday, because this Sunday is also called as Passion Sunday. Uh, and the other day I was sharing this tension with a couple of people, and uh, Pastor Cindy uh, just frankly told the truth to my face. She's good at that. <laughs> She's really, really good at that. Uh, uh, she just said simply. <laughs> she just simply smiled and she said, you know, we talk about this every year, whether, what to read, but we always end up with Palm Sunday, right? And she's right. <laughs> we always end up with Palm Sunday. And I want to share with you this morning as to why my struggle is that I kind of go through every time for this time of the year. Uh, the reason is if you come to church on a Sunday, and then you come to church on another Sunday, and then you come to church on another Sunday, what, this is what you will hear. On this Sunday, you will hear the story about Jesus entering Jerusalem, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that story, what it means for us. Uh, and then, after that story is done and said and done, and then we go to next Sunday. You know what next Sunday is? It's Easter. So you go from hearing that Jesus came into Jerusalem, and the next thing you hear is, He is risen, and you all say, He is risen indeed, right? There's a whole thing that we miss in the middle. Uh, and this week, uh, we call it the Holy Week. Uh, and so this, uh, I just want to urge you and, uh, and want to invite you to come and be part of our Thursday night worship service where we talk about the passion of Jesus. Friends, I want you to consider coming to that service so that you can learn about what our Lord and Savior went through on that day so that we can spa, uh, pause and reflect of what it means for our Lord and Savior to have a meal with his best friends and be betrayed and for him to be in the garden uh, praying. As we walk through those scriptures uh, and we end that service uh, in silence, we end that service as we leave this place, we leave in silence as the sanctuary is completely dark. We take the light of Christ out of this space. So I want to invite you to come to that service as well, to learn about the passion of Jesus, that you would take some time uh, to come to that midweek service as well. So this morning, we're looking at the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem uh, before the Passover meal, before the Passover festival. Uh, the city of Jerusalem would have been filled with people. There have been people from all over the known world who would have, who spoke, who were Jewish uh, in their identity, in their religion. They would have come to the city of Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover festival. They would have come to the temple to declare God's goodness in their lives. See, the reason they were ce uh, celebrating the Passover uh, feast is because they were remembering what God had done for them in Egypt, how God 
passed over, the angel of death passed over the homes that were covered, the doorposts that were covered in the blood of the lamb. And they are rejoicing as to how God delivered them. So that is the reason all these people were in the city of Jerusalem. The, Jeru uh, the city of Jerusalem would have this sense of this feeling. Have you ever been to the mall like right around Christmas? Some of you are saying, what is a mall? Anyway, that's okay. I'm not talking to you. We can talk about it another time later. Uh, have you ever been to the mall around Christmas time? Like right before Christmas? Everybody's happy. You can hear Christmas carols in the, um, as you're walking through. Everybody's happy, right? That's what the festive mood was in Jerusalem. So I kind of want to paint that picture in the background, if you will. So, so I want you to picture this. Some of you have grown up in the church. Some of you have not. Some of you have heard stories about Jesus and Palm Sunday. I want you to picture this. What comes to your mind? Just take a minute. Think about this. When you, when you hear the word Palm Sunday, Jesus entering Jerusalem, right? You all have a picture of that? People waving branches, yes, right? People in the crowds, a lot of people, yes. Small people, big people, yes, all right? Right? Sometimes when we read scripture, we tend to put our own imagination into it. But this morning, I kind of want to point out something uh, just so that we can pause a little bit. Verse 7, right? Matthew chapter 21, verse 7. They brought, this is God's holy word I'm reading. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road, and, car and the crowds went ahead of him. And those who followed him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Can you picture? Does it resound with what you saw, what I was talking about? Right? But here's what I read, and this is what you all imagine. I read, they bought, verse 7, you can look it up in your Bible. They brought to him a donkey and a colt, and Jesus sat on them. There were two animals that they brought, right? One biblical commentator said, like, you know, it looks like Jesus is a rodeo, you know, riding on two different animals into Jerusalem. That was supposed to be funny, y'all can laugh. Anyway, so, all right, moving on. So, why is this story important? Why is Jesus entering Jerusalem so important? For the writer of Matthew, who's writing this book, he wants to tie Jesus to the prophecies of the Old Testament. He wants to let Jesus know that Jesus is the son of David. So when you read the Gospel of Matthew, one of the first things that you will see is the genealogy of Jesus. Where Matthew ties Jesus to the son of David. David was supposed to be one of the best kings of Israel. And now Jesus being called a son of David means that he's going to be the next king as David. And this king was born in a manger where animals would spend the night. This was Jesus, the son of David, who was born to that line. So that he could be a king. 
And as we read the story uh, of Matthew's gospel about Jesus, one of the things we quickly realize is when Jesus was born in the manger, who was going to reign for eternity, there was another king, more like a puppet. His name was King Herod, who lived in Jerusalem. He was a puppet king for the Roman emperor. And Herod heard about this story that another king had been born, and he was so insecure that he ordered children under two to be killed. That is the story that we hold to, and Jesus' family were able to escape that tragedy. So on this Palm Sunday again, Matthew is reminding us that Jesus is entering the city of Jerusalem. Here, Matthew is intentionally talking about Jesus riding on a colt and a donkey, because if you read prophet Zechariah, there is something that the prophet says there. Behold, your king will ride on a donkey and a colt, is what the prophet said. And here, Matthew is referring back to that prophecy. He's saying to us as we read the story, remember what Zechariah said, and here is Jesus doing the exact same thing. Remember what the prophet told us. And look at Jesus. He is fulfilling those things that were spoken of him so that he can be the next king of the Jews. A king who would be, who would reign for eternity. A king whose kingdom will never come to an end. Jesus who was born in a manger, the son of David, now is riding a donkey into Jerusalem, again establishing the promise that was made to the people of Israel. Jesus is the king, the Messiah. Jesus riding a donkey into the city of Jerusalem, that is symbolic for the Jewish people. But another symbolism is taking place as you hear these crowds scream and shout um, as Jesus uh, walks down, throwing their garments and waving branches. They're yelling, Hosanna, son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. See, the crowds in Jerusalem that day were enacting Something that would have happened when another king conquered their land. When a Roman emperor, when he entered the city after his army had went ahead of him and conquered it, the people would come out to greet this Roman emperor. They would wave branches and they would throw their garments on the road and they would shout, thank you for rescuing us from that previous king. And they would say, we are here. We are going to be loyal to you. We are going to be subservient to you, our new king. That's what the people of Israel were saying. That they are glad that Jesus defeated the powers to be. That he defeated the Roman powers. He defeated Herod. And now they are willing to live by his rules. The crowds were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Can you hear their excitement? Finally, finally Jesus has arrived and he shall save them. Finally Jesus is here. Hallelujah. Hosanna. Praise the Lord. See, when Jesus walked on the earth... Many years ago, he taught us how to live. 
He taught us what we need to do in order to be his followers. So when these people are yelling, Hosanna, son of David, rule over us. What they are saying is we are going to follow what Jesus taught. We are going to surrender our lives to the lordship and the rule of Jesus Christ. We are going to live by the laws that are set up by this king named Jesus. Is what those individuals were saying on the road to on Jerusalem that day. So this morning as we are gathered in worship. When we sing songs about Palm Sunday. When we say Hosanna in the highest. We are like those people in Jerusalem acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is our king. That Jesus is the son of David. And we are willing to accept the rules that he set for us. That we are willing to live by those rules. This morning I want to challenge us with two teachings that Jesus taught. That we are to do if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we are to follow in the footsteps of those who were in Jerusalem saying, Hosanna. If we are doing that, we are called to follow the teachings of Jesus. I want to highlight two teachings for us. And these both are found in what is called the Sermon on the Mount. It is in Matthew's a Gospel that was read to us today. It comes to us from chapter 5. If you read from chapters 5 through 7, that section is called the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to highlight these two teachings and I want to challenge us to see if we are living as Jesus is calling us to live. Hear these words. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. You, he's talking to all his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You, again, he's talking to each one of us here. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Here is my favorite portion of this scripture. Verse 16. I hope you memorized it. Verse 16. Matthew 5, 16. Hear these words. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here Jesus is saying... When you declare that you are a follower of Jesus, when you take a palm branch and say, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When you say those words, Jesus wants you to do this. He wants you to be the salt of the earth and the light in this world. Light dispels darkness. See, both these metaphors that Jesus uses, it's about fruit. It's about the end result. If the salt loses its primary purpose, then it's no good. It's trampled and thrown away. If you're not able to dispel darkness, 
then you're no good. We're all walking in darkness together. Here, I believe that Jesus is challenging his followers on how they act, speak, and, leave, and live. These words capture the essence of Jesus' teaching. Let your shine, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Friends, how are our actions? Do people see our words, our actions, our lifestyle and glorify our Father in heaven? This is a heavy teaching. But this is what it means when we say, Hosanna in the highest. This is how we are agreeing to live. When we declare, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is the son of David. We are agreeing to be the salt of the earth. We are agreeing to be the light that dispels darkness. We are saying that we will strive in all that we do so that those who look at our actions, our words, how we carry ourselves, they will look at us and they will glorify the God in heaven. That is what we are striving towards. Another teaching that Jesus also gives to us comes from Matthew chapter 5 verse 38. Hear these words. This is what was said. And here Jesus is referring to the Old Testament. This is what was said. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the children of the Father in heaven. Here Jesus is pretty direct in how we need to treat whom we perceive to be our enemies. Jesus is clear in teaching how we need to treat people who have not treated us well. Eye for an eye was an Old Testament model of retribution. If anyone insults you, you would insult them back. That was the Old Testament model. But here on Palm Sunday... Are we willing to live by the ethic of Jesus? Are we willing to show love to our enemy? Here Jesus is saying, turn the other cheek. He's not asking for our enemy to pay for their actions, but rather he's calling us to love them. Jesus' teaching is very different from what we find in our culture. Or for a matter of fact, what we find in his culture as well. Jesus taught us to be different. Jesus at one point said, what good is it for you to love those who love you? Don't the heathens do it? Don't those who don't belong to me do the same thing? What good is it? If you are a follower of Jesus, are you willing to show love to those who have hurt you? those whom we call our enemies. I feel compelled to say the next thing as we are pondering what it means to love our enemy. I have worked with a lot of women who were caught up in domestic abuse situations. 
And these words of Jesus were used to manipulate women to forgive, to forgive the abuser and take advantage of women. Clearly, Jesus is not saying that we need to be a doormat for others to take advantage of us. But rather, he's saying something different. What does it mean for us to love our enemies? What does it mean to show God's love to those who have hurt us deeply? Here's what I have come up with. This is my understanding as to what it means to love those who have hurt me deeply. I don't need to be best friends with those who have hurt me. But this is what I am called to do. From the fiber of every being in my heart, I wish them well. For those who have hurt me, I wish them well. I wish for them to do well. I wish for those who have hurt me to prosper. If I can say that, be well. I know you've hurt me, but be well. I think that means loving our neighbor. I believe that is what it means for us to love our neighbor. Friends, if you are declaring and waving your branches and wearing a cross of palm and saying, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, son of David, save us. May we live by what Jesus has taught us to do. May our actions glorify the God in heaven. May our speech glorify the God in heaven. And may we wish well for those who have hurt us. May we show love to our enemy. Let us pray. God, we come before you this morning, waving our branches and saying, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, God, save us. God, even as we declare that you are our King and God, give us the strength to live by what you taught us. We ask these in your name. Amen.